this teenage shit that we leave in the past. Uh, but the kind of next level, well, think about it. Why do monks, uh, why are they celibate? And people think, you know, it's pure. They don't want to be like sullied or whatever, but it's because the channeling of that sexual energy is the way to like spiritual ascension. True. Definitely. Like most of these monks, probably that's their cheat code. That's what, that's what I think. Yeah. Well, you know, more energy, more confidence, you know, you don't get anxious when you're two weeks plus of not busting a nut. Right. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, each to their own. And then there's also the side of it of like, okay, looking purely health wise, uh, if you're not expelling uh, your vital essence as a man, that requires like calories to create, uh, you know, minerals to create as well. Like all of those things which can be just kept within the body instead of just being spread out of the body. Um, you actually like nourish the body and become a lot stronger. Like a lot of guys with early hair loss, I think it's because they're busting too many nuts and losing too much zinc. 100% I think yeah I think I think that that's definitely one of the cases if you think about it like most of the dudes that that are getting their sense of se- sexual pleasure it's probably through just just wanking off as much as they can right and the thing is like yeah. if most of them probably never even heard of this stuff uh, most of them don't even know like the side effects of all that even when you like yeah. even when I've like I've tried semen retention like probably like months at a time and most of the time i'm like holy shit this feels on a different level i think guys just don't know how to yeah. balance it with like even if you if you do like if you're active you're, you could probably like balance it out with sufficient nutrition and supplementation but at the same time there's if, if you yeah. do retain there's a there's a significant amount of benefit that you do see, to be honest i think it's a it's an epidemic man because you know everyone knows the feeling the what some people call the post nut realization or, you know, what's the word? Um, missing it. Post nut clarity where they think, Oh shit. What, what was I doing before? I was kind of taken over by the clouds of lust or whatever. Uh, maybe I don't, didn't actually want to get with this girl or, you know, if you were wanking it's like, okay, well, what have I just done? That's kind of, you know, lame. Um, uh, but, it's also like a depressive thing. You know, you, if you've just busted, you kind of feel like, oh, you got all that energy that's been lost. You know, you're very vulnerable to, um, in the, you know, the caveman world, if you're not at your strongest or fittest to defend yourself, if you've just busted, you know, uh, I think you completely lose that. Like, it just makes sense. Uh, the French call it the petite mort, the little death. Um, every time you have sex and ejaculate. So the theory behind it all is that, okay, you're, you're, you're keeping your nutrition and calories that you can then nourish back into the body. You're not wasting time uh, in situations or with, you know, girls that might not necessarily be your best choice. You're especially not watching porn and wanking and everything. But that, if you're constantly busting all the time as well, you are not in the space to really take charge of your own life and you are not in the space where you know it's like that whole the whole pacification of the young male which i think is by design and why porn is so you know encouraged in mainstream media or 
spread out in general to like the populace yeah it's healthy to watch porn bro it's fine just wank whatever it's because it pacifies you it makes you a docile consumer and if you're busting every single day multiple times a day sometimes looking at pixels on a screen you will not have the energy or the drive or anything to change your life and to or maybe even just to realize that you're being fucked over on a societal scale you know like you're not going to be able to fight any wars if you're doing that. And I think that's why it's kind of by design being pushed on the young male. And I think it's a massive prevalent issue that, you know, kids are watching porn from fucking eight years old, which is horrific. And that kind of shaping of the mind and the sexual mind and relationships in general uh, is really leading to like, a lot of fucked up dudes <laughs> yeah i think i think 100 i feel like the the age that people are getting into porn and stuff like that is just going lower and lower and lower and over time people are just getting used to that lifestyle so much easier right and the the terrible thing is that it just it's one of those things that it's you need a bet, bigger and better hit the next time that's why people that watch porn just ends yeah. up watching some some of the worst stuff they couldn't even imagine they probably don't didn't even see themselves going into that point um and watching that stuff not. and then after they watch yeah. it it's like a non-stop cycle of watching it getting a momentary hit and we all know that dopamine calm down at the end of it where you feel yeah. like you don't want to do shit for like another two to three hours and you're just like just laying there i think yeah i think stuff like that you know like there's a lot of talk about semen retention on Twitter and a lot of guys talk about it. I think it's very, very good to utilize it as a tool. Um, doesn't mean like everybody has to be a, a monk of some sorts, but I do think like there's significant value that you can derive from it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like at the, at the very least, the baseline, no porn, no wanking of yourself. Um, if you're having sex with beautiful girls that you care about, they care about you, then, you know, whatever. That's, that's life and you should enjoy that to some degree. Right, and, and the thing is, um, most of these guys, like, their main problem is probably the fact that they're not busy enough to the point where they have enough time to jerk off. Like, I genuinely don't have time yeah. for that. And I'm sure you don't either, because, like, we got our shit going and whenever we actually want to get into, indulge into something, there's, like, beautiful women out there ready to go. But, like, if you're actually building some things, like, dude, I... Like there's literally no time to like pull out a lot. It's a waste of time. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Exactly. Exactly. At the very least, it's a waste of time at the most spiritually damaging uh, and really just not what you want to condition yourself to do. And yeah, the real thing is so much better. So of course you'd want that. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, yeah. So I guess we kind of went in there, but Kaz, welcome to the Soulcast. Thanks for doing this with me. Um, I know probably one of the most requested guys to come on here. Do you know that? I had no idea. Feels good to know. I'm happy yeah. to be here. Uh, so thank you. I think there's a lot of um, fans that will be happy that you decided to come on here. Uh, I know we're going to get into a lot of stuff, but maybe the first point that I wanted to talk about is... Uh, anti-herd mentality and you have that in your bio on twitter uh i think it's very important to realize that as a human we are biologically ingrained to do what the herd or the tribe 
thinks is best. And that's a biological mechanism to keep us safe. It's not necessarily the best thing for your personal growth. It's not necessarily the best thing if you want to do anything meaningful or different or, you know, reach for the stars. Right, right. I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Like, there's a lot of people that, you know, the herd is safe. The herd is just operating as its own thing. But I think if you're a young guy that wants to get out of it and, um, you know, do his best, you have to kind of be by yourself, unfortunately. Maybe, uh, you know, disappoint some people in your local herd, uh, whether that's your family, whether they, you know, they just want what's best for you. And I think that's the distinction that a lot of people need to make is that they're not doing it because they want to, you know, restrict you or see you fail or anything for the most part but they're just saying what they think is best for you they want you to be safe they want you to have a stable income all the rest of it but unfortunately you're not going to learn the most in that situation and you need to realize when it's kind of time to break the shackles uh figure out something on your own terms and yeah what are your thoughts on anti-herd mentality right i think i think it's probably one of the most crucial things for any any young man to actually go through that phase where they just isolated them, themselves i think the main thing is like if you look at someone who's like 17 18 right there's there's literally nothing about him that came from him it's all been like nurtured from either his parents or the surroundings he's been in and you know the the overall school whatever he's been taught at school he's never had at some time alone to himself where he really understood what is going on in his mind what is going on with his desires and what he wants to do so typically what i feel like the reason that you know you have to be a little bit anti-herd is because if you stay around with a group of friends right um or your parents whatever it may be 100 percent of the time their influence will be more on you than your influence on them just because the power of environments and we always cave into our environments to an extent and the problem that becomes is that when you try to break out of the environment these people for example family and friends they try to hold you back and one of the major things is that these people are attached to the identity that you have built with them they don't just see you for you they see you as the person that develop with them. So what, what, when you, when they say, see something like you're trying to branch off into something else, they have this like innate fear of loss. Okay. I'm going to lose this person from who they used to be to what, whatever they're going to be next. So I feel like if, if you're constantly around an environment that you always grew up on inside, you don't, you don't know who you are and you're, you're always going to be a product of that environment. And if you want to create your own environment, you have to break out of your herd and create a own herd of yourself. And that's typically what happens when people break out of their herd and go into solitude. They usually come out on the other side, attracting all the people that they, you know, now they kind of want to associate with and create their own new environment. So I think that's why it's so crucial for especially younger dudes to, you know, get, move out or find, move out of your home state, move out of your home uh, town, whatever it may be, and find a new place where they can really develop. They can learn about new things. And most of the time when you get into a new environment, it's going to be brutal. Like it's difficult. And that's where really yeah. the trials and tribulations come in and you develop as a person there. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, uh, 
it's a delicate balance i think like a lot of guys like the going away to college is a good one uh that happens for a lot of a lot of young guys it's like that's the first time they really kind of hang out outside of the family environment and maybe branch out into things that they actually want to do or think about and not just what their environment or school mates and all the rest of it um but college is still uh you know some level of safe environment um with walls and safety nets and all the rest of it and you know i'm not saying fucking move to peru with no money and then figure it out where you don't know the language although that would be fun <laughs> uh, and probably you would learn a lot but wherever you can in your environment kind of do something new uh hang out with people that you don't know or whatever it's because it, it is that environment that you take cues from you were saying that we default to our environment a lot of the time so over the course of like days and days and months and years of being in an environment if you're around people that perceive you as you know what they've always perceived you as then you're going to default back to that because you don't want to upset them or it's just harder to break out or try different things with people that are like oh dude why are you doing that or like oh dude that's weird and all those kinds of little things which aren't really the end of the world but if you want to really reinvent yourself you have to kind of switch that up and that's the other thing um that i i get a lot from messages from guys who are like hey man i've been switching it up and changing my diet and i'm feeling great but or maybe they're improving in their business or whatever it is but they feel like they're getting lonelier and i think that's kind of inevitable um when you have less of the garbage to relate to people with, you're naturally going to not be able to relate and talk to people who are still only consuming that garbage or like the latest Netflix episode, they're not doing anything apart from their shitty nine to five. And I'm not shitting on nine to fives in general, but a lot of them are, you know, just shitty jobs. Um, they're kind of very safe. Uh, and I, you know, I was in one myself uh, back in the day. So if you, develop yourself in whatever way there's going to be people that you know actively resent you for it because it highlights within them what they wish they could do or should have done or they're just going to not be able to relate so you're not going to be able to talk about the same things complain about the same problems a lot of relationships uh you'll find are built on the negative complaining about a situation and when you learn all these things, improve yourself, improve your lot in life, you realize that a lot of that stuff is self-imposed. A lot of people say, oh, I, I could never do that. Um, you know, I'll always be in this job or it's impossible for me to change. Maybe not in those exact words, but you realize how that negative self-talk repeats itself. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when you improve yourself, you naturally feel a bit more isolated until you find other people like you're saying you start to attract people who are on a similar path it might not be your close environment uh, of people but will be people that you can relate to more just because you've changed well, yeah 100 i think one of the one of the real problems of when you're kind of going on your 
let's say the lone wolf path and breaking away from your herd a little bit, the most difficult thing in the beginning is the loneliness that comes with it. Like it's no joke because you're not like, I had this situation when I was first, you know, getting into business and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I just had a killer day in, in my area of work that I work really hard with. And I have literally no one to celebrate this with. Like the, the, the mm. chicks I'm smashing doesn't understand what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, my parents are like all about nine to five. My friends are all about Netflix at that time. And the loneliness is really something that I think haunts people. And actually I have a, I have a I'm going to drop a thread, but uh, on loneliness and overcoming it. But one of the things I think that really is the silver lining for the up and coming guys listening to this is that the loneliness doesn't stay for long. Uh, just during the grind period, when you're like really getting into the trenches, really figuring out your own way, you're probably going to be the loneliest. But as you come up on the other side, you will be exposing yourself to more people as you get more successful. And at the top, it's never lonely. It's on the process to the top where it's actually lonely. And at the top, it's very high quality, but very low quantity. But in the middle of it, it's just like a desert. There's nothing in between that. So I think mm. the, the loneliness is something that you got to really deal with it and like grit it out because you have to understand like the rewards on the other side of all this like loneliness, pain, whatever you want to call it, is, is just infinitely larger. Yeah, so a couple of things there. It's like, first of all, I would say to be happy being by yourself and having yourself as your best company. What I realized uh, probably, I think, from a very young age is like thinking about things myself, delving into issues, that was enjoyable to me. And people watching and kind of figuring out what makes people tick or, you know, just thinking about, concepts in general that I've learned about from reading that was enjoyable to me and if you can enjoy being by yourself you'll never be lonely the relationship with the self is it sounds silly but you have to treat it as if you treat a relationship with another person because your self relationship like you're the only person that you are with 100% of the time every single day 24 7 you can't get away and people that have average relationships with their selves, they have to get away from their own mind. And that's when they turn to things like alcohol and drugs because they can't be with just their mind thinking about things. Maybe, you know, there are unresolved issues or, you know, traumas uh, that they haven't really worked through that come to the forefront of the mind when they're by themselves. And if they don't have a distraction like Netflix or food or wine or whatever it is, then they go insane because they haven't really delved into these things. So if you can, from the get go, figure out what it is about yourself uh, that you may not enjoy being around or just come to terms with who you are uh, and learn to be by yourself and be fine with it. You know, if you can be happy with yourself and you can be, present with yourself and enjoy life when you are by yourself, then you also won't fall into the traps of abusive relationships. Like if you love yourself, then you're not going to need love from someone else that might come with uh, negative issues. Like abusive relationships happen because people don't love themselves 
and here here comes along someone that says oh i love you but only if you do this for me or only if you don't do that and that's an abusive love but if you have no love for yourself then you're going to accept that because some love is better than no love so all of these you know abusive relationships that you accept for yourself or even just circumstances in life that you accept for yourself really comes down to can you be by yourself do you enjoy being do you enjoy who you are are there issues that you don't like about yourself uh and do you love yourself and that's kind of a really important one that kind of comes out of being by yourself if you've never been by yourself like you said you've only been around high school friends or your family then you're not really going to know and if you mask that alone time with drugs or alcohol or tv or video games or whatever it is then you're never going to have that experience and it's quintessential to the human experience and your progress and development and success that you understand being by yourself and enjoy it and relish in it yeah i think you you talked about quite a few really good points in there in terms of like the being alone by yourself and and enjoying that so like i've talked about this before and it's like if you don't want to spend time with yourself what does that kind of say about yourself, right? Like if you see like the people that people, a group of people usually gravitate towards, let's say for example, the the magnet in a group, they typically enjoy spending time with themselves because they, they can, they know themselves very well. They understand themselves. They can be with their thoughts alone in a room and not go crazy. They know exactly where their demons are and what they need to handle, how they need to handle it. And it's, it's essential. You know that I think as soon as you know that you start to accept yourself a little bit more, you know, okay, this is, this is pretty much my thought patterns. This is pretty much my reaction patterns. This is how I am as a person. And I'm okay with that. Then you start to actually yeah. love yourself. Then you actually start to appreciate yourself. And then you approach building yourself with a, with a, you know, approach of with love. It's like, you know what? I accept myself this way and I want to be better through, through that process. And Probably the biggest problem nowadays is that people don't spend enough time alone and they think being alone is something that's negative. There's a negative connotation. Maybe you're like an outcast, you don't, you're, you're a loner or you have friends and stuff yeah. like that. So that's a little bit of a social conditioning as well, because people always want you to be plugged into something or somewhat. Um, and then if you can't, they want you to be plugged in through, you know, getting your vices in through, let's say, for example, drugs or women or stuff like that. And what that leads to is just a very, very empty cup and goes into what you're saying about relationships is that if you're in a position where you have zero love for yourself, you have zero appreciation for yourself, you're going to look for that love from an external source. And guess what? Every time you're dependent on an external source for love, appreciation or anything to fill up your own cup you're at a severe disadvantage like the chick that loves you today might not love you tomorrow and then the day after that you're going to be in depression because of that. so yeah like betting yourself love on somebody else is like something that's basically a straight fire way to get depressed or sad or whatever you want to call it yeah i mean it's it's the base principle of externalizing your happiness externalizing that which you don't have control over if you uh peg your self-worth or your self-value and how you feel to something external of you that you have no control over someone else's opinion or even the successes of your work you know a lot of people will be riding high when everything's going good 
but if you allow the good times to you know make you ecstatic then you're also opening yourself up to the bad times making you very very depressed and i'm not saying like never enjoy anything but it is a trap that some people can fall into is they have their first bout of success and it's going great and you allow yourself to be caught up but then once you do that and you're tying your emotional state to the good then it naturally swings back eventually life is a, a game of cycles and ups and downs then you go oh shit i don't value myself as much because this success hasn't come for me or it, it didn't work out the way it did so the self-love thing and the self-worth thing is kind of like your base level uh happiness i guess or your your centeredness that if you can nourish that and always draw energy from that then everything else happening outside that's outside of your control it doesn't matter and that's what the you know principles of stoicism is to get back to is like what can i control me my thoughts my emotions my actions that's what i have control over everything outside of that that's that's not me you know i can i can put things into effect i can direct energy to things i can build things but never attach yourself emotionally to the outcome good or bad because if you do that then you know that's just the recipe for disaster yeah i think i think it's that that self-worth and self-love it has to be the foundation on what you build on top of because that's that's essentially what's going to allow you to weather the storm of life if you're good on the inside um, nothing externally should be able to, you know, the, the line of equanimity is what I always refer to. I should be in a state of equanimity no matter what. If it's a great day, then it's great. I'll experience the day. If it's a bad day, yeah. it's great. It's still like I'll experience it, but I won't be like, oh my God, my I don't feel like I'm a good person or I don't feel like I'm a bad person or I don't feel like I'm worthy of anything none of that should waver like that should be cultivated from the inside not from external stuff that you know happens business relationship or whatever it may be yeah and that gives you a resiliency as well because you will show up and work on the days that it goes well you're not gonna you know woohoo all good success take a week off yes take a day off but don't rest on your laurels but then you also, if it goes to shit, you're just going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Let's get back to work. Let's try and fix these problems. And I think that uh, is super important if you do want to build your own business or anything. It's like, there are going to be days where it's good. There are going to be days when it's bad. The compounding return of you showing up each day is the main thing. And I'm sure you can attest to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like this, the self-worth thing goes into actually relationship dynamics and business itself. Like when you let's say for example you fundamentally know your worth you can actually hold your line you can hold your boundaries much much better whether it be in yes. a business negotiation whether it be in a relationship negotiation i know we're going to talk about like relationship dynamics and stuff like that but this is really the essence of having a good relationship is really making sure that you are you actually know what you bring to the table how much you're worth what you're worth and then you can set boundaries to it. And if somebody does not respect that boundary, they can just go wherever, wherever they want to go. But you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're not going to compromise exactly what you think you're worth. And that's what goes back to knowing yourself and stuff like that. And the same thing can be 
transitioned into the business world of things, right? Like, let's say, for example, if you know in your field of work, you're actually top 5%. Now, you know that for a fact. When you go to negotiate, your demeanor is going to be different. Your attitude towards that negotiation, whether it be a salary, whether it be a deal, whether it be whatever contract you're working on, and the other side tries to lowball you, you'll, you won't even have to consciously walk away from it. You'll unconsciously be like, no, this is not for me. Like I'm way worth, worth way more than that. So when you know that negotiations become easier, self like relationships become easier and you start to have this sense of, um, I don't want to say like superhumanness, but a sense of like where you're, you're completely detached from people in the sense that you know what you're capable of and they should be appreciating it. It's, it's a really good space to be in essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it's, if we go into the relationship side of it, it's like a lot of guys will unfortunately, well, you know, I think everyone starts here. It's like, what, what am I going to do to earn a girl's affection and, you know, please the girl or whatever. And that's kind of the opposite of how it should be. If you want an optimal relationship, it's like, and that kind of comes from low self-worth or maybe you're just a dude that hasn't really figured out his, way or hasn't you know proven himself but once you have in some regard you're now like it shifts and it shifts so what can this person do for me if if they're going to come on board and you know be in a relationship with me and it's not like a purely transactional thing because i think that is also a danger as well um but the shift from valuing the relationship more than yourself like that's when you run into issues and the girl doesn't even want that either you know it's it's supplicating and it's loserish behavior because it, it sub communicates a lot of things if you are valuing the relationship as you know the highest thing um then it just kind of it, it kind of sub communicates that you don't have options or you don't value yourself or your time enough and that is inherently unattractive and i think the probably one of the biggest issues with the relationships in the, the West, at least uh, these days is that the man becomes too supplicating because he wants to, you know, it's, it's well-intentioned. He wants to be a good boyfriend. And if you pay attention to too much of what the girl says that they want, uh, then this is, and you know, what mainstream media says that you should do, uh, then that can kind of play into itself and end up just no one's happy you're not valuing yourself she doesn't value you and it's just a whole mess yeah i think there's there's like this fundamental problem with relationships especially in the in the in the western side like you said it's where like these dudes are chronically chasing and that just turns people off the, in the worst way possible and what ends up happening is that these guys are trying to make people happy these guys are trying to make their girls like the happiest possible the putting the relationship as the priority right and they tr start to treat the relationship as like a third entity between the two it's like hey i'm gonna deal with you and you're gonna deal with me to preserve this relationship but that's actually really a fucked up way of thinking about it because there's no in a relationship there's maybe like close to zero percent logic involved it's all about emotions coming in and if we look at into like the fundamental way of how relationships work it's 
guys should be building things and the women should be automatically attracted to someone who's of worth. That's how it works at a very base level. So what happens is like these, I don't know where it comes from, bro. Like, is it from Disney or is it from parents? But they get this idea that, okay, let's, let's like shift my focus from building something of worth, let's say a business or my physique or whatever it may be. And then transitioning it into focusing on the relationship so much so that the girl feels like, okay, you're not the guy that I got in a relationship with. And there's no, yeah. there's no like, it's not to demean women by any means, or it's not to like demean men at any means. It's like, there's two separate purposes for two different sexes. And one is basically, you should be acquiring skills. You should be building on top of them. You should be focusing on yourself first and the women should come in and actually like you for who you are, where you're going to. And it goes back to, again, self-worth. If I'm building a business and my girl doesn't understand that, like that's a problem. And she should be able to respect me because of that. And the relationship will actually work better that way. And like overall, like you said, like prioritizing relationship as like this, this agreement we got into is probably why most relationships don't work out because people take the focus from the wrong thing into and put it into the other. Yeah, something I get is uh, from messages from people is like, oh, hey, Sobra, how, how do I balance my relationship with wanting to improve myself? Because my girl doesn't like that I'm, you know, spending more time away from her. And that immediately I'm just like, what? Your, your girlfriend has a legit issue with you spending more time to improve yourself. That right there is, you know, a red flag. And is it born out of you know i guess if if you've had this kind of safe relationship where everything's hunky or everything's the same you're only spending time together when you have free time watching netflix together or you know just hanging out um which is good to a point but you know it, it it's better to you know improve together go to the gym together um but that she also has to understand that if she wants you know a legit dude then she has to give you spare time to work on things and because you can't build a business or you know learn new skills if you're hanging out going to brunch unfortunately uh that's just the name of the game so if your girl like actually gets upset that you're spending more time away first of all you know take charge just be like hey look this is how it is this is what i want to do this is what i want to improve uh 99 times out of 100 if you go in with that mentality and just say look this is what i'm doing um i want to improve you can support me or not that's fine uh then they'll come around that's uh you know that's the other side of it is like if you want to make a change in your life your girl gets upset about it you know it's for it's good for the best both of you and then you supplicate to her emotional demands then you've already lost unfortunately yeah like it has to be this is what I'm doing, baby. You can come along. I want you here to support me. We can do this together. But if you're just gonna hold me back, then that's fine as well. I, I can do it by myself. Um, and it's not like ultimatum rules, you know, controlling or anything. It's just like, you know, I, I want to improve myself. And you know, anyone that holds you back, that goes for not just male-female relationships. Of like, if your bros are like, dude, why aren't you hanging out on Friday night? We go. <laughs> going to watch the game sink some pints it's like all right relax you know we can do that in a couple weekends time when i have some wins to share with you but 
right now I have to stay at home and I have to fucking grind and, you know, make something of myself. And anyone that doesn't understand that, girlfriend, friend or family, then they are just externalizing their own internal issues. It goes back to what you're talking about at the start. They have this idea of you, this fake reality that they've constructed in their heads. And when you diverge from that, it threatens them or it threatens what they think is that relationship. And anyone that has your true best interests at heart and wants you to succeed and win will understand that. Oh, you, you want to stay in and, you know, read more or study something. Cool. Great. I'm happy for you. Like, that's the mentality you should have. And also look within yourself to see if there are any times in the past that you've done that and make sure that you're not that influence on other people. If it is your bros, don't like tease them for being a nerd for studying or whatever. It's just like, cool, man. I'll, I'll see you next time. Good luck with it. Like, that's what you should do. And I, I forgot where I was going, but the I started with the relationship side of things. The messages I get from people, if your girl truly... Yeah, she might get emotional briefly, but if you stick to your guns, she will come around and understand that it's best for the both of you uh, and hopefully support you. Yeah, I think a, a really good thing for these guys to know is um, the the rule setting. The, I don't want to call it a rule setting, but it's more like a boundary setting because I don't really like to have any rules in my relationship. But what I like to do is basically a 90-10 split, right? In my relationships, whenever I get in a relationship, rarely happens but in whatever capacity i get with a girl um i'll i'll be 100 percent upfront and authentic with her and i'll let her know exactly how it's gonna go like 90 percent of the stuff i'm very cool about i don't really give a shit like do whatever you want to do not no problems but there's like 10 percent which is non-negotiable for me which is for example you cannot interrupt me during my work or you cannot interrupt me and my relationship with my friends, or you cannot interrupt me and my relationships with my family. Like only like a handful yeah. of four to five things should be what you're iron fisted about. And the rest of it, it, it shouldn't even bother you. So when you set the expectations yeah. right from the get go, it's basically there, you know, it's kind of like at that point, it becomes like a mutual understanding. It's like, hey, you got, you knew what you're getting yourself into. You knew I was going to put in 18 minutes. Yeah. You knew I was going to see my friends. Why are you complaining about it? Maybe yeah. we weren't in the right understanding from the get-go. Yeah, and it's um, it's boundaries, right? And you can't have a proper relationship without boundaries because you know you might take advantage of them, they might take advantage of you. But again, self-worth, knowing what you're worth, knowing what your priorities are, is like okay, all right, I need to focus on my career, my family and friends, and then my relationship. You know, that, that's just the way that it is uh, as a young guy. And, you know, when you're married, maybe those priorities shift uh, down the line. But when you're up and coming as a dude, it's like you can't waste, not waste, but like you just can't spend too much time with a girl that, you know, could be otherwise spent developing yourself. Uh, and girls are fun. Girls are great. I love girls. Uh, but, you know, like anything, if it is hours every day that isn't necessarily compounding interest returns um then that's gonna you're gonna run into an issue so setting boundaries in your relationship that you are honest with and about at the start or from the get-go then you're also not going to attract people who are not into that you know there are some people that want a hundred percent of the time boyfriend that's fine leave it to them and they can have their relationships for me 
at this point in time, it's like, this is my priorities. This is my allotted time that I have for girls and relationships. You can spend that time with me and that'd be great. But if that's not what you want, okay, cool. Then we will go our separate ways. Yeah. And that's fine as well. Yeah, I think another thing is like, if guys are really upfront and honest about this stuff, I don't think the main reason they're honest about it is because they fear losing the girl in the first place. It's like, oh, if I tell her upfront that I'm not gonna give her time, she's gonna not even wanna be around with me in the first place. So that's probably one of the yeah. one of the major things. The other thing is to be very honest with you, bro, like I don't even recommend dudes in their early twenties to get into a relationship or even maybe somewhere down their late twenties. It's probably it's very difficult to work on something really, really time consuming because if it's meaningful, it's probably going to be very time consuming. And then balancing it with a relationship is, is very, very difficult. Uh, like I've tried it when I was younger and I, I, it's not something that's easy to do. So that might be like, if I had to advise like a younger me, it's more, it'll be more like, you know what? Like I have, I have the same tendency, like you said, like, I, like I love girls and I, it's, it gets as addictive as any drug out there. Like you want to go and chase after one after another or spend as much time as possible with it. And it's fun. It's great, but it's very, very momentary. And it's, it, it's not long lasting satisfaction. It's not a long-term game at that time. And it slows you down overall, in my opinion. So for youngins, I think my, my general advice to everyone that comes to me about relationship talk, and I'm like, how old are you? They're like, bro, I'm 21. I think I found the love of my life. I don't think I'm gonna make it without her. I'm like, bro, immediately block her. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, it's harsh, but it's true because like his is these cats have their minds like so warped around like a relationship and their self yeah. to it. There's no point in at that point like risking all your time into devoting into a relationship that's probably not gonna work out in the long run if it's working if it's that friction pull at early at a stage. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I think if you are a young guy that genuinely you have a girl that cares about you, uh, wants to help you build, gives you your own time, then that can be a good thing because you're not, you know, you have that closer connection, which, uh, you know, I always recommend with a girl rather than the one night stand casual stuff. Um, that can give you a lot of time in some respects because you're not having to go out on the town and you know, talk to hoes in the bars and everything uh, to kind of get your fix with that. It's just like, okay, I have my girl. I can kind of put that in a little box and then focus on the other stuff. Because as a young guy, you're horny, man. Or, you know, you want to talk to girls. Like that's that's an ever-present thing in your head from like 15 onwards. Um, so I can see the benefit of it. Like, you just have to make sure that the relationship is quality and that can be kind of hard to ascertain as a young guy you don't have the experience i i wouldn't say it's a blanket rule like ever have a girlfriend or whatever but just make sure that you know it, it is quality it is not smothering uh she understands like what you want to do with your life i think like you were saying with the the blocking with the guys that ask you about these things i and i get them as well it's like maybe you can um, offer your points on this. It's like, how do I get over a breakup? I think this girl was the one for me, again, very young age. It's like, most of the time, they're probably not the one for you. They were just one of your first relationships and it's the first kind of 
uh, foray you've had into relationships with girls. So your brain is just going, all these chemicals firing, saying, pass on your genes, pass on your genes. <laughs> so you, <laughs> that's unfortunately what happens, but you are getting all these things in your brain mixed up with genuine loving connection that might last for decades, which is real, which is possible. Um, but I think like you're saying, most of the time, if you are breaking up with a girl at that young age, it's, it's yeah, the best kind of move is to just block for both your sakes, right? Yeah. Like if they are unrealizing that they're stringing you along or that there's an issue there, then it's better for both of you to just kind of go your separate ways if you have uh, broken up and it's kind of messy in that way. Yeah, I think I think what you said is, is is very important. Like, there's no blanket rule, right? First of all, you shouldn't even be living by someone like my me telling you a rule. If you're a young guy, you should find out for yourself what works. There's never any rule like that. Um, I think yeah, when people are in that early stage, especially young guys are in that early stage, there's a few ways they can go. Right? One is you get into a relationship, and if you found a really good girl, you should of course stay in that relationship. If she's accentuating your life, there's no reason to break apart from it. It's it's not like you have to you have to go the player lifestyle and just smash holes every weekend or something like that. It's not a necessity. That's like another societal pressure put into you. You should do what's beneficial for you in the moment. So that's one of the very positive ways to go about it. The other other ways people typically um, end up wasting time in the in the relationship side of things is that one is that they'll either be in a bad relationship obviously we all, all know how that is the other one is that, like you said is they're going to go out every weekend get smashed trying to pull next morning hang over next night repeat the same thing yeah. two days out of your week you, it's gone that's the third way i think the the happy balance and this is what i did when i was in it and even do it to this, to this day. Like if I'm in a good relationship, I'll, I'll focus on it and I'll devote my time to actually, you know, preserving the relationship and doing whatever necessary. If not, just yeah. actually build um, with two or three girls and have them in a rotation and really build something with them. That way you don't have to like go out of your way every weekend to find something to satisfy your urges or anything like that. And that, and the, the other side yeah. of this is that you actually end up building something that's actually fun to do. You get to know each other more, the sex gets better and all that stuff comes along with it. So yeah. these are like the two yeah. opposite sides of the spectrum. One is more of like the player from friendly route and the other is more of a relationship route. But these are probably like the most lucrative ways to go about in terms of, let's say, quenching your thirst or satisfying your urges. Yeah, all good points there. <clears throat> Um, so I wanted to touch on uh, this topic uh, that was given to us from a, one of my Twitter followers. What was the moment you each realized you knew you didn't have to be conventional to move forward in life? Um, personally, I it, it kind of comes back to the concept of what again being by yourself figuring out your priorities what do you want out of life do you want what everyone that has gone through the conventional path and that was to me sit in an office for 40 plus hours a week under fluorescent light talking shit not being able to say what you want uh if you have a very good work environment with bros cool that's still like you're indoors most of the time uh, 
you don't have equity, you're getting a salary, your effort is not necessarily reflected in your compensation. That's something that I really push. It's like, if you are in a job, have it something that your compensation is directly tied to your effort or to, to, to your success more so. Um, that's a separate topic, but not simply I'm in this job, I get X amount of, of money per fortnight, regardless of how I do. I think that that's just not good for the human condition. And I've done that and it's not because you don't try it. Uh, separate point, anyway. The moment I realized that I didn't have to be conventional was just looking at other people who has what I wanted in life, freedom, autonomy to do what I wanted, say what I wanted, go where I wanted, location independence. No one that's working in quote successful jobs at the big five companies in whatever realm had that. So I was like, mm, okay, what am I doing? And I had to figure out something else that wasn't, you know, who, who did have what I wanted. Okay. People building their own businesses, um, people that are making money online, they're location independent. So you kind of shift towards that way, but also in terms of the body, it's like, I noticed from very young age, when I started training, I was like, okay, most people aren't lifting weights. If I want to look good, be healthy, I have to eat a certain way. Like conventional for the most part just means average, unfortunately. So for me, you know, it is kind of just like a viewing people who's successful in this realm, who has a lifestyle that I want to emulate, uh, <clears throat> that I would consider to be successful in my own right and do what they're doing. You know, don't, don't listen to people that don't have skin in the game is another one. It's like, don't take girl advice from people who were married to Susan the four. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's very simple. Yeah. Don't take financial advice from people that don't have investments and aren't bowling. Like it's very, very simple. So I think there are conventional pathways to a lot of things and you can lead a successful life doing that. But now, more so than probably earlier uh, in you know Western society, you have to break the rules or the conventions if you want to have your own unique form of success. And that was just like a slow process. But I did realize that, like you know, early teens or whatever, is that most people are unhappy. Most people are in sexless relationships. Most people don't have freedom. So if you're going to do the same things conventionally and uh, whatever else, you'll end up there. So I knew that that was not where I fucking wanted to be. And that was how I kind of structured it from then on. So what was the moment you realized you didn't have to be conventional uh, to move ahead? Yeah. So it's a very, very interesting question because I think as far as I can remember back in my life, I always felt like a fucking misfit. You know what I mean? Like I was always feeling like, man, I don't feel like what these people are doing is exactly for me. Whether it be in like a, like I had friends and all that stuff and groups and family, friends and family, of course. But I always felt like a little bit of a misfit in the way like the conventional living really didn't work for me. Like I just didn't feel like even as a kid, like I've always wanted to build businesses since I was like a kid. And somewhere down the line, um, it ended up becoming a little bit of a people pleasing thing for me. For example, my parents wanted me to go to university, get a degree and get a job. And I diverted right. from my path and went into that corporate lifestyle for a bit. 
Um, I think the moment when it happened was is, is actually a combination of two things. Um, one day I was sitting in my nine to five and I was working as a software developer. You can kind of imagine the demographic in the software development world. <laughs> like it's like it's it, it, yes. it's it's the exact opposite of what you and I preach. And it's essentially I'm sitting at my desk, right? And like confession time, hunched over over my laptop, just like making sure I hit the 4.30 p.m. time. And I'm like, I, I don't know what happens. Like I just all of a sudden like look around me and I see the people that are working around me, right? And some of them are fat. Some of them are like divorced multiple times. Some of them are just like here to just be until the retirement. I glance over this other guy's screen. He's watching fucking anime. I'm like, dude, I'm just like looking at this and I'm like, holy fuck. These are people that are like five to 10 years ahead of me and they were doing exactly the same thing I'm doing right now. So I'm on their path and this is what I'm going to like end up at. Right. And that's one of the things that was like a really turning point. And I really started thinking about it and really ironically, um, Within a, within a month of that realization, um, my grandpa actually passed away and he was like one of my role models. And he was like literally anything anything but conventional. Like he was wrecked to Richard's story and he did everything his way and he was my role model and he passed away. And I was like, man, this dude was like, literally didn't have a family and took all the risk in his life, overcame his fear and became a success. Meanwhile, I'm here in a first world country and I'm just too scared to quit yeah. my fucking job. Like, am I, am I that pathetic? And that's like, I had a moment of realization in that. And I took one month off of work to just really spend some time alone and realize what I want to do. And uh, I, I, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of understanding about myself during that time. And then I came back, gave my two weeks notice and I just got the fuck out. Yeah, I think... Um... I had very similar experiences. It's just like getting into a nine to five at the office, you see the people around you and you can like delude yourself for a while and say, Oh yeah, but the money's good. And you know, it's a safe job. And they're just things people say to you, um, to, I don't know whether it's they're assuading their own fears or thoughts, or, you know, you just take away what it is so you can sleep better at night. But deep down, you, like, I always knew that, like, okay, this is not for me long term. Figure the fuck something else out. Because otherwise, you know, the the books that I had read, and I was, I was already, like, reading all the stuff and kind of following guys on Twitter beforehand uh, while working at this job. So, like, I knew that there was another path, and I knew um, what was going on. And, of course you do have to um, pay the bills to start with when you have no skills, you have no business or whatever. Um, so that's fine. It is what it is. I think the trouble is when you are not doing anything on the evenings to change your situation because you are happy or not even happy, but you're maybe you're content. You are lying to yourself enough that it's like, yeah, yeah, looking at a screen for eight, nine hours a day is fine. Tap, tapping on my keyboard. And of course, you know, I do the same uh, somewhat in, in the, the work that I do now, but it's, you have skin in the game, you have equity. It's, it's kind of a different thing. And of course, working for yourself is like, 
spiritually freeing like something that always always irked me about jobs in general was like i had to ask permission to take a day off and have my you know request denied again by some hr drone like <laughs> fuck that fuck that every single way i couldn't you know i did it i did it but that always was just like what am i am i a man am i a free man or am i this weird economic unit slave that produces output and yes master can i please have some time off like fuck that man and i think eventually i was just like no nah, all right figured out something on the side was able to quit my job once i started earning a bit of money from that and yeah, I, I think every guy kind of feels that innately. If you're in a, a job where you can really excel, you're in a great place, great environment, great community, of course, again, like there's no one size fits all rule. But most of the time, if you're in a conventional nine to five, like just just have the, take the risk. You know, there'll be another nine to five job that'll pop up that you can safely go back to if nothing works out. But of course, if you quit with the backup option, and I think maybe you can talk about this as well, it's like the burning ships approach. <clears throat> I forget who the commander was, but when he sailed to a new land, he got his men on, on, the, on the land, and then he said, all right, burn the ships. We're not going back. We're not going back home. We are going to make something of this land or fucking perish, you know? Yeah. And I think that, that mentality of I'm going to do it regardless, not having any thoughts of if it doesn't work out, you can always go back to the job. You know, that, that that's possible. You're not going to die homeless. Like if you really get down to it, you'll figure out some way of making money, but you have to kind of go into this new world by burning your ships. 100% of this. This is like, this is basically my, I could talk about this for hours and hours about risk taking and stuff like that. Just to, just to share my story in terms of like the nine to five stuff. So when I quit my job, um, I didn't have like any real side hustle and stuff going like that. And I was just like, I could not take it like one more day. I feel like, I felt like it was straight up disrespectful to my soul to go into work and work for these people that are by no means smarter than me or in any way superior than me, but they just have this, this, you know, setup where I can come in and work. I felt like it was disrespectful to me. So what I did, I, during that month I took off, I, dude, I went like balls to the walls in terms of thinking about worst place, worst outcomes possible. Cause I knew I was going to quit cold Turkey. Like I didn't have it in me to stay there uh, two more weeks apart from my two week notice to work on a side hustle. Like that was, like straight up gone. So I like sat with myself and I was like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? Like I go homeless and I go, I don't have any money to pay my bills. I, what I did was I literally got in my car that day and I went straight to the, like the closest place where I know homeless people live. I'm not even kidding. Like I was going, I went there and I was like, all right, I have a car and these people here are living in their cars on the side of the street in the parking lot. Can I do this if worse comes to worse? And I went in there and I was like, yeah, you know what? This is fucking better than my nine to five. Like I'm down to like literally live in a container out in the open when it's like minus 20 degrees Celsius with a block heater if I have to, 
but I'm not going to go back to my nine to five. And then I kind of did the math in terms of like, what are the chances of this? Like we have this idea of like, this is a risk, right? But if you think about it, like, is it really a risk? Like people take, people think like quitting their job and they directly associate it with not having any money, going broke, not having any food and dying. Yeah. To those people, my question is, when was the last time you saw a dead homeless person? Straight up. Like, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to die when you're trying to die. Like, your body is very fucking <laughs> resilient. And it, it, it's actually like the two, I was talking about this with the guys in Train Everything, it's like the dichotomy of death. It's like on the internal side, you feel like you're going to be dying like in a, in a second because... Um, you're not going to have bills paid and stuff like that when you're quitting your job. And that's what prevents you from taking a risk because you think like your life is precious. And then on the flip side of it is that any moment you could get hit by a truck, a bus and you're gone. So on the external, it's so, it's so perishable. And on the internal side, if you're actually taking risks, it's very hard to die. So my approach was basically burn the fucking ships. And the craziest thing was. It wasn't even like the worst was yet to come because right after I quit my job, the pandemic hit, right? And at the same time, got hit by a massive bill that I did not expect. Let's say from some (laughs) some entity that I was not expecting. And all that is going on, like pandemic is, business is obviously not going to pick up when the pandemic is starting. My investments plummeted because of pandemic. I can't cash them out anymore. My cash flow is fucked because of the bill. And even at that point, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going back to my nine to five. And to make things even worse, at that exact time, my old job called me and he's like, yo, we'll give you a raise and we'll give you a promotion if you come back. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember when they said it, I just like hung up on my boss, ex-boss. I, I didn't even like think about it. So burn the ships approach is, is really like the way to go when it comes to this type of stuff. Because like you, I, I've tried like, the inching your way towards overcoming your fears and shit like that, man, it's just such a slow, slow process. And you only have like a really good 10 to 20 year timeline to make something out of yourself. And before that, you're a kid. After that, you're a senior citizen. So everyone's going to burn their ships. Yeah. And there's a, if you go to the metaphysical realm of it, it's like the fact that you burn your ships, the universe knows that the universe feels that and the universe rewards you for doing that because you are now solely focused on like maybe your thoughts you know it's there's no use there's no it's all wasted if you're like worried about the negatives of what could happen whatever you focus on you will bring into reality if you're only focused on okay how am i going to make this work it'll work out eventually and you're not going to die. Like you're saying, it's very hard to die in our society at the moment, barring some huge physical accident, whatever. If you're not going to die, if something doesn't kill you, you'll figure it out and you can enjoy that as well. Like, you know, it, it's not all going to be sunshine and roses straight away. And you can also argue that with, you know, the, the rising level of success, you also have rising amounts of stress, responsibility, um, or whatever else so it's kind of you earn the money you earn the success through the equal uh stress or whatever depends how you you know set up your business or everything like no one got to the top and it was all hunky-dory all the time but when you burn your ships nothing else matters and i think 
you're, you're, you're always going to attain more success in that realm, whatever it is, when you only have that one goal. Like that's, that seems to be a very consistent theme amongst people who have made it big in careers that they, you know, people always say it's hard to make it in, like maybe like acting or whatever. It's like, you have to have faith that everything will work out. You have to trust yourself. And you can't have that backup plan of the nine to five, because if you have that in your head, maybe eventually you're even subconsciously, you will just inch slowly towards that because it's always in your head. It's like, Oh, the nice, safe, boring job that I can always go back to. And then you're not going to be a hundred percent focused. And because if you're, if you're 95% focused, if you're 95% in something, then you're just hamstringing yourself because that extra 5% is likely what is going to give you the success and returns that you want. Right. And, and the thing is like with humans are inherently lazy, right? We're, we're made with energy preservation in mind. You have to put up something of value for yourself on the line to actually motivate you internally. So when you have like a safety net, like a nine to five, you're not going to be taking that sales call at 5.30 p.m. You're not going to be doing that outreach at 7 a.m. knowing your bills are due, knowing you might be like pretty much embarrassed in society if you don't make the bills. All these things come into play and you you always have to go 100%. This might be an actually an interesting um, exercise for all the listeners to do is find one person who went 100% balls to the walls, burnt their ships that did not make it. It's always that half-ass attempts, the loosey-goosey people that are going to be like, oh man, don't start a business, it's too difficult. Because they probably did it. Yeah. If you see something as a side hustle, it's probably going to remain as a side hustle for a while unless you like really go all into it. Or if you're mm. if you're not going 100%, like I'm, I'm a firm believer of either 0% or 100%. You, you're, yes. There's nothing yeah. called a 99% for me. It's either 0 or 100 if you're a 99%, you're yeah. zero to me. If you're a hundred percent, you're making it to me. And the only way to succeed yeah. is when you actually go that hundred percent and you're going to do whatever it takes. And I don't know what happens. Like at that point, the world starts to conspire for you instead of against you. Yeah. And that's probably like the miracles of the world or whatever people want to call it. But um, that's, that's my take on like, just taking risks. Like you have to bet something of worth to motivate yourself internally where you don't even think about the work, you just do it. And, and the irony is like, you're saying like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like when I, when I was at my nine to five job, I was coming to work at like 11, leaving at like three 30. Like my life was relaxed. <laughs> Dude, I have never made to work before like 10 30 in my life. Like I so fucking much, and I don't think I've ever taken a lunch break less than like two hours. That's, that's how much I hated nine to fives. And yeah, when I quit my job, it was, it was fucking brutal. I'm like, one of the things I see on Twitter, everyone's like, Oh, it's so easy. Start your business. You're going to make like 10 K 20 K a month, 50 K a month right off the bat. It's farthest thing from the truth. Like when you're going this route, you're, you're looking at a lot of sleepless nights. You're looking at a lot of night, days where you wake up and you don't want to get out of bed. Your body's going to shake in stress. You're going to feel the pressure. And those are the times that you're actually really becoming a man because you're resilient enough to overcome those challenges. And that does something to you that no amount of nine to five experience will ever give you. So all those things yeah. combined, it's still 
more rewarding to go your own route, suffer on your terms, rather than ask for some fucking 55 year old, 300 pound wildebeest if you can go take a five, 15 minute <laughs> and rant. Oh man, that's the biggest motivator right there is having to fucking walk to someone that you know you are better in, better than in every metric, but they have just because of the power structures this power over you just be like no sweetie you can't like, <laughs> fuck if that if that doesn't get you off your ass to do something and build something yourself nothing will you know you're done if you accept that as a man spiritually then okay dude maybe you're not cut out for it um but i think anyone that's listening to this they are they have enough goal within them they have enough motivation willpower intelligence everything that they need to succeed if they just take the chance. So if you haven't taken the chance now, you're looking for a sign, this is fucking it. Go take the risk. This is as big of a sign. What is risk? Yeah, what is risk, really? Okay, you're scared of people might think something. The only opinion that matters is that of my own. That is an affirmation that I do daily. The only opinion that matters is that of my own. And if you repeat that enough, it'll become reality because it's true. Because no one else has your life no one else has to live with the circumstances that you create for yourself so they can have their opinions they can watch from the sidelines it's always people that are on the sidelines not doing anything they're like oh that's silly or you know have have their opinions that, that 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 doesn't matter and again it's a relic of if you were the guy in the tribe doing something different not helping with gathering food or whatever then you were shunned and rightly so you weren't contributing to the health of the tribe. You're not going to receive the benefits of being in the tribe. So we have in our brains, a biological mechanism that says, Oh, don't go, don't go against the tribe. Don't, don't do it because you'll be left out cold and alone. Now that's not really the case. You know, there are safety nets in place. Not that you should rely on them. Like you should always, you know, rely on yourself, but that, fear of doing something different is what hamstrings us a lot of the time and every single person that's ever done anything had to initially go against the curve yeah dude. or the when I, when I, opinion of others yeah when i quit my job i actually did not tell a single soul like i didn't even tell my own mom and i tell my mom like literally everything and i was like i know what's gonna happen if i tell these people that i'm about to take this risk so if there's one thing i can add in terms of like risking stuff is that never get other people's opinions because 99% of the time, which is basically 100% of the time, they're gonna come up with ways to like, you know, be negative about it. Why it won't work. What's that? They're gonna come up with reasons why it won't exactly, work. Exactly, exactly. And like no pessimistic motherfucker has ever made it in this life. You gotta go into anything yeah. you do with utmost optimism. Like you gotta go in thinking, all right, even if there's like a 0.0001% of chance of making it, I'm going to make it. That's the level of optimism you need to actually go through it. So if you're, if you're the people that are listening, if you're trying to like take a risk, whether it be like, I don't know, quitting a job or breaking a relationship or a, whatever it may be, whatever challenges you wanna take, asking for other people's opinions just shows lack of confidence in yourself so don't do it from first yes place. <clears throat> yeah and this i just want to comment on before you were saying either 100 percent or zero that is what i like to call it's either a fuck yes or a no that goes for everything 
if it's uh, a sport you like to play or don't like to play, if it's a relation, if it's a girl that you're like, fuck yes, this girl's great. I want to hang out with her. I want to spend time with her. Or it's a, uh, no thanks. You know, I got, there's, there's no half, half. There's no wishy-washy bullshit because that is wasted energy. That is when you open yourself up to problems. And what, what is the percentage risk analysis bullshit anyway? You either make it work or you'll, you know, there's no other option. There's no chances of like, oh, most businesses fail. Yeah, but they're not me. They are some dweeb that wanted to go back to his nine to five and couldn't hack it. I will succeed no matter what. So don't ask for other people's opinion because most people, again, are going to say why it won't work, why you won't be able to manage it, all these issues. And you know, they just, again, they just want what's best for you. They're just saying the result of what's in their mental programming. And you shouldn't blame them for that. You shouldn't get angry about it even though that's, uh, you know, fuck people that didn't support me. Um, you know, that kind of mentality, which is just whatever. Any negativity in life that you receive, if you just reflect back love and positivity, uh, then that's all that's going to come back to you. Negativity cannot affect you. Your enemies, if you have any, cannot harm you if you reflect positivity and wish success on them back. That's another kind of separate topic that, metaphysical realm it's like if you have enemies you're already losing and people may think that you are their enemy because they have a mental construction of what they think you are in their head and that doesn't align with them if you i'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom here if you receive hate from anyone if you receive negativity from anyone if you're the person that can receive that receive that hate and go look I, I bless them. I wish them love. I wish them light in whatever they choose to do, because ultimately that's what we want is we want the maximum amount of love and light to the entire universe. Because when one of us wins, we all win. You're going to have less negativity in your, in your life, which then you pass on to other people. That's what we should aim for. But if you can do that with your so-called enemies, you create the enemies in your head with your own kind of feelings and the energy and the vibration you put out. What, what, absolutely. Like, I, I just don't have time to like, you know, hate on people that hate on me or anything like that. I don't have time. My, I look at my energy as like literally the most precious thing. Like if I give my attention to something, I consider that thing or person blessed. Like I, it might sound arrogant or whatever, but I genuinely think everyone should think of their energy like that. So whatever I'm putting my energy into, I, I make sure that it's worth it. And if it's someone that's a naysayer, if it's someone that's trying to hold me back, they don't, they're not going to deserve my energy in the, in the, even in the sense of thinking if they're right or not. Like, yeah, I remember, I remember I only talked to one friend about quitting my job. Right. And I had the exact same conversation that you said, like the 99% of percentage of businesses fail. And, um, Kaz, are you sure you want to go this route and stuff like that? And then this was like a crucial moment for me. And then I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to be the 1%. And they're like, well, that's survivorship bias. I was like, fuck yes, that's survivorship bias. That's fucking what I live off of. And they're like, no, that's the wrong. So it's the crazy thing is the same concept of survivorship bias. I have like, I'm on the 1% side thinking that it's for me. And this person is thinking like it's the 99% side of things. And that's when I was like, what the fuck am I doing asking these people about their opinions? Like they're not they're not in a mental capacity of where I'm at in any means. And I shouldn't even like care about their opinion. So it's like, 
and I, I wasn't even angry at this person. I was just like, yeah, like we're just two different people. We see the world in a different perspective. I'm about to go fucking make it. And you can go and stay up until yeah. 5.30 p.m. tonight. <laughs> Man, I'm getting hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I get so fucking passionate, like talking shit about nine to five jobs. And I, I can't even like, I can't even like express how much I, I think it's like wrong for a person to be like a slave to the desk job and stuff like that. But I get it. I get it. You have to sometimes. Yeah. You have to do it sometimes, unfortunately. And maybe, you know, it's probably better that that exists as a safe existence for a lot of people. Whereas, you know, for thousands of years, if you didn't fucking make it on your own, you were dead, you died. But now there is some sort of mechanism where people create a company, they need to bring other people on board. Eventually that company will kind of grow on its own and become this nine to five, you know, the, the nine to five thing, if you make it work for you, if you go in, you do enough work that you need to do, it enables you a bit of security. You can get a bit of money to kind of take risks. The, the, that's good. The wrong thing to do is that be your only focus and that be, and just expect that that's always going to be there because a company will cut you if you're not, you know, on the balance sheet, uh, we're paying this guy, this salary, productivity is uh, $2,000 less, let's fire him. That's a reality. And that's just the nature of the beast of when a company becomes its own thing is like the, the loyalty to the company and the, all the rest of it is almost like a prisoner relationship. It's like you want to do the best so you don't get you know punished or lose your job. And I get it, but you have to make it work for you. Spiritually, it's not good uh, as a young man and you know, those jobs will always be there. Uh, again, that's not really relevant because we are burning our ships uh, and making it, but yeah. I think nine to fives, most of the time, not the answer. Yeah, the only thing, like I leveraged my nine to five into like saving money because I was coming out of like not the most um, financially sound family. So I had to like get some savings out of the nine to five and get out of there. So you should look at nine to fives as something that, you know, allows you to have that little bit of cushion that saving up you can do to take a little bit more risk and then get out of there. But I think the real reason people don't want to leave the nine to five, it goes deeper than that in the sense that we've been trained since kids to not take personal responsibility. And because of that, what ends up happening is that we become so fearful to having freedom of our own choices because freedom of your own choices means responsibility for your own choices. So when you go through, you know, college, you're, you're in a set environment, you go through school, you're in a set environment, your family, you're in a set environment. Everyone's making these decisions for you. You go to school, people tell you what classes to take. You go to university, people tell you which labs and classes and exams to take. You're really not thinking for yourself, you're not taking the risks. So when you transition that into like a nine to five, it's still the same thing. Like these people are telling you to come at a time, do this work, get out at 5.30, 6 p.m., whatever. But when you transition that to something more personal responsibility, that's that's a lot for people to handle. They're thinking like, holy fuck, like where am I going to start? If I fail, it's on me. What is going to happen? Who's going to direct me? So like what really the, the nine to five epidemic is basically a result of people lacking personal choices, personal responsibility, and the ability to enjoy their own freedoms. That's, that, that's been completely wiped off of humanity. And it's only going to get worse unless like people like you and I think about shit like this. 
yeah and it goes back to okay where does the nine to five come from where does the mechanism of school come from it was created to produce efficient factory workers who could sit and do their repetitive job over and over again to maximize the amount of productivity for their employers in the factories that's that's why school was created so you have to realize that it's all set up to make you a good little boy that does what they're told produces x if you input y you know that's why schooling was set up school was not set up to people always go like oh why don't they teach us real life things like money management or whatever why do they teach us this bullshit it's because it wasn't set up they didn't no one sat down and thought how are we going to prepare people for the best chance in life so they maximize their own life and you know whatever else yeah school wasn't created like that dude honest to god like i can't fucking think of one thing that i use from school on a regular basis and i did like engineering school as well and i can't think for myself like where is the benefit because like the things that you need to know for example sales never taught in any school marketing never taught in any school financial management law these things like law not in like becoming a lawyer but like how to leverage things in your way or yeah. or the intangible shit like risk taking or you know going all in stuff like that that you only learn through trial by fire none of that stuff is actually taught in schools and if you take a look at what these kids are teaching and being taught at school right now like i picked up my cousin's uh textbook for like general sciences or some bullshit like that and i was like in awe at what the fuck they're being taught it's like straight up brainwashing and i was like well it is there's no is way like i can and that's what's happening in college yeah exactly exactly like, it, like i think all these systems are put into place just essentially to rob humans of the free will that they have left that's all it is like elon musk yeah. isn't sending his fucking kids to school that should be all you need to know like the smartest guy on the planet yeah is homeschooling his kids yeah straight up I think we're going to see a massive shift to homeschooling because more and more people are waking up like, okay, I want to prepare my kid for life. I want him to have money-making skills, relationship skills, just an awareness of the history of the world. I think that's missing as well. It's like, I understand what's going on in the world in terms of the broader, uh, you know, losing our freedom slowly in the whole COVID thing. I talk to people and say these things and there's just nothing there because they, they don't have the awareness. They've never read like what happens when a government entity can tell people exactly where and where not they can go. What, what, what happens after that? It's a slow encroach of freedoms, which eventually leads to, you know, prisons and gulags or whatever. If you've never understood what happens that, uh, you know, Nabel had a great, great tweet about this is like, all tyranny starts with wanting to control people for the greater good right yeah. it's all well-intentioned most of the time for people that aren't you know aware or conscious of what's happening they genuinely believe that they're doing the best thing but if you have no reference point you have no knowledge of history you you don't know you've never read about what happens when you give up your freedoms in the name of the greater good because eventually once an entity has those powers over you that never ends well yeah and and the thing is 
like people who are sovereign like us who want to think for ourselves are actually at a severe disadvantage here because going back to what people are we were talking about personal freedom and personal choices the same people there there are more nine to fivers than there are business owners or people who take their own responsibility and those people want to they don't want to stop giving up their personal choices and responsibility at the nine to five they want to go more they want government to make decisions for them they want government to like protect them they want government to like come in and basically do everything for them that allows the the big brother or whatever to encroach more and more and more into our territory of in in the name of safety in the name of you know good intentions in the name of the public good and it just progressively gets worse and worse because of that and all the time whenever i have conversations like this the thing that comes to my mind the most is a wild tiger running in the in in the jungle with zero freedom zero um you know cook meals for them like chicken breasts and shit like that and they have to hunt to live and then there's that tiger in the zoo who's being fed like seven yeah. chickens every hour and looks fucking miserable yeah and that's always comes to my mind it's like man is safety as glorious it's the same thing yeah. is, is safety as glorious we're making it out to be like are do we want to be that caged animal that we don't even have the ability to like go get our own food and do our own things so it, it's it's I don't know where this is going to go at, at a long term, like how bad it's going to get. I, I, I'm an optimist at heart and I want to see a people's revolution. But whenever I talk to people about even like the simple things, it's like, man, do you really like I, I test like normies from time to time? Like, hey, what do you think about the mask thing? Like, what do you think about like the double mask thing and shit like that? And dude, like, yeah. the stuff they say back to me, I want to go fucking lock myself in a room because they're just like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? Two masks, maybe three masks might be better. Oh, vaccine's coming? Can't wait to get it. Like, yeah, like it's mind blowing to me. And I'm not, no, I've never been like an anti-vaxxer vaxxer, but in situations like this where you're like, there's such little data points and you're okay with a government pushing it and making it mandatory, do you even like think for yourself? So it's, it's over. I, I stopped having these conversations because it gets me demoralized. Yeah. And, you know, again, like, unfortunately, not, not unfortunately, but you, you can't blame people and assigning like, you know, getting angry over it. It's just a result of the conditioning. And if you're told over and over and over and over again through the mainstream media, people are watching TV hours every night if what they're seeing and their only reference point, their only data collection is this, then that gets imprinted on the subconscious that there's no other uh, ideas. And this is why book burning has happened. This is why there is the censoring of information. Uh, and that's why things like Twitter in our circle are so good is because you get information that is not the approved information from the institutions that uh, want to retain their power if you don't have any other data points to reference to or ideas that, uh, you know, are otherwise presented to you in books, um, then that, that, of course, that's going to be the response that you have. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really, I, I generally consider like us being in this little sphere on Twitter, whatever we got going on over here is, it's really refreshing to see like, and this is how like revolutions really start. Like it starts with a very small group of people and the small group of people yeah. are 
you know, more and more, our follower counts are only going up and I don't even care about it, but it's always going up because more and more people are becoming aware of it. So that's a, that's a little bit of hope for us in the sense that more people will wake up to it and they'll see like there's a different way of thinking and the people that you have entrusted your money and your safety to do not quite possibly have the best interest for you in their mind. So I'm, I'm optimistic about, you know, people opening up to that at the same time. Uh, I keep my normie uh, interactions to them as minimum as possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the way to do it is like, will you convince the average normie through your like logical presentation of information? Probably not yeah. because as we know, once a person is sufficiently demoralized or imprinted, even when given information that, you know, an impartial bystander logically looking at it would be like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Like it, it just doesn't go in. That's the nature of human conditioning and, you know, part of a survival mechanism, again, going against the herd is dangerous uh, to your hind brain, to your caveman brain. Uh, but the thing that we can do is have conversations like this, uh, just put information out there. The people that are awake will uh, seek it out uh again the follow counts rising this is an indication of that through time that kind of permeates into the grander social collective and i think you know again optimist all about it people's revolution it's very possible uh the only reason why you have all this negative propaganda and <clears throat> brainwashing is because the power structures realize like mm, oh shit, the internet's around there are revolutions happening in people's minds and we don't have the control that we once had uh, now that, you know, decentralization of information. Like if you are blackpilling about the situation that we're in now, imagine if we were in this and the only information that people had access to was the TV and media. And this was probably been going on since TV and media was introduced to the population. Before that, it was just newspapers. If all you got was the newspaper to tell you about the goings on of the world you would have a distorted view of what's actually going on so i think now it's the most uh it's the world's the greatest the world, potential for a collective awakening yeah i think the world right now is the most decentralized it has ever been and it's only going to get better in that way like all the decentralization yeah. the information is pretty much democratized if you really want to seek it out right now and soon enough the sources right now, the end point of information is democratized. Soon enough, the source of the information is going to be democratized with all the decentralization coming into play. So in terms of information, it's, it's becoming more of a choice of people wanting to think for themselves and seeking out the right information because there's always information around. Think about like a hundred years ago when maybe the only source, like you said, was a newspaper or a TV or your collective, you can't, you, you couldn't even travel as much to get exposed to different thoughts and ideas. Right now, I can, I can get on the internet and learn about what the thought process of a guy in Nigeria is, or I can learn about what the government in Venezuela did from one of my friends and really correlate some patterns and see, okay, this is how communism take, took over there or anything along those lines. I can become more aware. So um, the, the hopeful side of things is that it's only going to get easier to get information, even though it doesn't seem like at the moment, I think we'll have severe developments uh, in terms of decentralization of uh, information in the near future. And that should really allow people to get whatever they want to know 
without having to worry about the dilution of the source itself. Yeah, and I think that kind of raises a thought in my head uh, of why it's so important to take the risk to make your own money. It's because if you make your own money, you can't be controlled. Uh, and they, you know, the whole, you know, grander scheme of wanting to have everyone on this universal basic income, if that's your only income, then they can shut that off or on depending on you being a good little citizen and kind of we have a responsibility now knowing this to take the risk and make your own business and start to get your own money and income because once you have that the spiritual freedom you attain from that where you don't have to censor yourself you don't have to pretend to like people you don't like all of that opens you up to just being a, a more spiritually sound person but also a more truthful member of society and it's kind of responsibility that we have now is to knowing all these things stack cash because then you can affect real change rather than just talking shit about it on the internet like the people that really make the world moving uh make the world move and make societal change they're the richest people out there they are the ones that are putting the money in the politicians pockets and making these changes that you know, you can theorize all day, but if you don't have any fucking ammunition to back up what you're saying, then it's just pointless. So I think, you know, even for yourself, if you have the money to take care of yourself, live in optimal health, share that with other people around you and your cared ones and your loved ones, that is almost the responsibility that we have. Like money is money is not the goal. Money is, oh, I want to be rich. Like it's, you want to have the capacity and the freedom and the ability to raise people up that is what money is about and that's what all this grinding bullshit is about yeah so if, if we look at kind of like how society is structured in terms of like for example taxation or your your credit rating and stuff like that all these things are designed to keep you in check oh you didn't pay your taxes maybe you will freeze your bank account and take away your money you don't you know your credit history you're working you're not working a nine to five you're working a business your income fluctuates some months you're making 10k 50k still more than the average nine to five but your credit you're not going to get approved for credit so they they want to go deeper and deeper into control over your finances as much as they can and like this ubi shit of universal basic income this is going to give give them a whole nother level of of control and it's it's only right that we make ourselves to the point get ourselves to the point where we have enough money to actually influence decisions so i always say like there's only two ways you can there's two votes that go on during any political situation one is the vote you go and you take a break from your nine to five job for 15 minutes to go vote and that does fuck all and then there's the guys who are paying the lobbyists with their hard-earned money and that is the real vote that they're putting into the into the system. So the cash you pay to the lobbyists to make changes is the real vote. This other vote that we're doing, like the plebs and peasants are just like going off about it. It's just it's just a distraction for the most part. Because like nine times out of ten, most of the changes in politics doesn't really affect the lower level that much. So it's it's paramount that people understand that the vote that you really can make is the vote that you can influence political decision making. That's the real vote. And to get that, guess what you need? You need cash on hand like you've never thought of before. Yeah. Oh, well, fuck, man. 
<laughs> it's a good talk, bro. It's oh, a good man. fucking talk. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I want to thank you, Kaz. This has been great. Uh, I'm sure we'll rip it up again. But before I let you go, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, where can people reach you? And uh, yeah, any passing things you want to mention? Um, so I'll go one by one. First thing, working on three major projects right now. Um, one of one of them is the Train Everything program. Uh, the guys in there are just killing it right now. So that's really going good. Uh, busy with my agency as always. Um, the third thing is probably one of the biggest projects I've ever worked on. And uh, it's within the next two weeks, you guys will see what's to come. So I'm very excited for that. Um, it's probably going to change uh, the world as people see it. I genuinely think it's that impactful. So I'm very excited about that. Um, to reach out to me, it's always Twitter is the best spot. Um, that's the only social media I have. Don't have anything on Instagram or anything like that. Um, but yeah, man, like parting thoughts for me would be if I could summarize my life motto in, in terms of just one phrase, it would be go all in on something and just bet the house as much as you can, as often as you can. Fuck yeah. I'll drink to that. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got, bro. Great fucking chat. Great fucking chat. All right, brother. Appreciate you coming on the Soulcast. That does it from us. Uh, thank you for listening, those at home. And yeah, take everything we've said on board. Take some fucking risks. Sounds good, bro. I'll talk to you next time. All right, Bye. see you, bros.